You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Like Michael Jordan in the 97 finals, like Leslie Note pitching the Harvest Fest to the Pawnee City Council and Chamber of Commerce, John Sheeran and myself are coming at you amid, I don't know, some, some recurring bugs that he and I continue to get. That's why we've been a little inconsistent with the shows. We apologize, but we're fighting through it. We are warriors. I'm Anthony. He's John. We're a little more nasally than we usually are and or horse voiced, but it is what it is because we got to talk some bangles. John, how you doing, buddy? Happy New Year, um, Anthony. Happy New Year to all the listeners. Uh, yeah, not not the greatest way to start 2024, but we're in, in a lot it. of ways. We got one week to go and we are in literally and figuratively, I guess, kind of limping to this finish line here. <laughs> Uh, we are literally and figuratively doing so. The Bengals are as well. Um, they made a valiant effort at things. We know that. And well, we're going to talk a little bit about the Chiefs game, but that's going to segue into a couple of, little, you know, <laughs> once a year segments or different segments that we don't really get to do all that often. And that would be number one, some Bengals New Year's resolutions for their teams, for their team this coming year, what we think they should be focusing on in the coming year for them to get back on track, back to the playoffs. And of course, 2024, as we look at impending free agency, as we look at draft needs, as we look at salary cap, etc. Are we pessimistic? Are we optimistic? A little from column A, a little from column B. John and I are going to talk about that. So we've got a lot to chat about on the Orange and Black Insider. And if you are new here, welcome. You can Get this show in a variety of ways. If you like tuning in live, usually we go either Wednesday night, Thursday night. We do a post-game show uh, right after the, the game. And then, of course, we usually do an aftermath, unfortunately, with John and I's health stuff, uh, holidays, etc. The last couple of weeks have been a little inconsistent, so we apologize for that. But we usually bring you a handful of shows per week on this program. And you can subscribe to the YouTube channel underneath John there. There is a show icon. If you are watching live or after the fact, there is an Orange Black Insider show icon right next to that Cincy Jungle icon. Click that. There is a subscribe button. Click that. And the bell to be notified when we go live, when new content is available. Uh, you can also give our videos a thumbs up. That helps us out. And of course, our show is one of a handful on the Cincy Jungle podcast channel that you can get through your favorite audio streamer, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Amazon, all of the ones we are there. Uh, our show, Coach Speak and Chalk Talk with Matt Minnick, the coach. And of course, Three and Out with Jason and Kevin and Talking Football with Bengal Jim, who had Andre Yoshivash a couple of weeks ago and had cbs sports's john breach and the the social media sensation the Bengals mailman on the show this last week here so um go check that one out too all right well as we mentioned in case you've been living under the rock the Bengals playoffs hopes have been dashed and of course unfortunately it happened at the hands of the chiefs once again 
They end the Bengals season for the second year in a row, this time a little earlier than the year prior. Bengals were up 17-7 in this game, John. Um, and I thought they were doing a lot of nice things on defense. I mean, they were kind of getting some pressure here and there and just making stops and, uh, you know, forcing field goals, especially late when they when the Chiefs were moving the ball. They were aided by, predictably, a couple of uh, drops, big drops by, by Chiefs receivers. And then, of course, um, the Bengals just kind of shot off to a nice lead. And then the offense completely stalled out. In the second half, there were some questionable calls by the officials late in the game that didn't do them any favors. The Bengals end up losing uh, 25-17, and thus their playoff chances, their magic ride that uh, was the post-Joe Burrow injury era is over. Yeah, I, mean, I think we, we maintain a good sense of objectivity here when it comes to the refs and their shortcomings. It was not intentional grounding. I feel like we can all kind nope. of... Agree nope. on that. Um, my stance on it is always there's no agenda against teams. It's just general incompetence uh, league-wide for these part-time employees who are over their head and probably need better training and whatnot. But this game obviously goes beyond just an errant Jake Browning pass. They were up, like you said, 10 in the first half because Browning was very much settled in. I think the offensive line came into this game, at least I think it was... Um, Brian Callahan, who was talking about it, they said that they wanted to make sure that Chris Jones was not a factor. Like, do everything in your power to make sure that 95 for the Chiefs is not wrecking the game like he did last year. And unfortunately, Chris Jones is eventually going to Chris Jones, right? They, I think they matched him up against both of the Bengals' tackles. I think Orlando Brown did a good job on, on, on a couple reps, but, you know, he got the better of Jonah and the better of Cordo Volson as well. So, you know, elite players are going to show up regardless of the states of their respective teams. And there were a few moments where Jamar Chase did the same thing, but he was playing clearly less than 100%, as was T. Higgins, who suffered a hamstring injury. And I think a very similar issue popped up compared to last year when you had the Chiefs doing their classic double-doubles, which would be, you know, having constantly having a safety over the top of these vertical weapons and, you know, the, the scheme that allows them to limit Chase and Higgins. Now, there wasn't really anyone else on offense that kind of stepped up in the passing game. I think Irwin had like 0.2 or 0.4 yards per out run. You had a, a not so very good game from Tanner Hudson as well. So you, you entered this season with on the heels of that game in the AFC championship game where your ancillary options on offense were pretty much non-factors. And you entered this offseason again with a lot of questions. And now you're entering it with, you know, guys who are set to enter free agency. They don't have a single tight end under contract. They don't have two of their three starting receivers under contract. And of course, on defense, they gave up six plays that totaled, I think, 220 yards, according to ESPN stats and info. Just it's it, you can't win like that. And th that's when that's been Luna Rumo's message for the better part. It feels like two months and the explosive plays continue to just kill them and gave the Chiefs the life that they needed to engineer a comeback. And I thought the Chiefs were going to lean more on the ground game because they couldn't find anything in the passing game. But it seemed like every member of the Bengals secondary had a pretty big lapse in this one that allowed the Chiefs to drive down the field. And six field goals were enough because the offense couldn't do anything. Offense couldn't do anything, and, uh, you know, it, it felt like this was a game that the Bengals should have just handled. It still doesn't look like things are right with Kansas City. Pacheco had a huge game, obviously, and made a big difference. There's no doubt about that. But this Chiefs team is still trying to figure, figure out answers, and if this is the same team that takes the field in the postseason, I would be very surprised if they make it far based on what I've seen because they just don't appear to – have much going on now. I mean, Kelsey was, you know, not doing much in this game, and and the Bengals kind of had a lot of answers where you go, well, this is this is a forcing field goals. I mean, this is kind of what you want when you play this team, and yet still they come up uh, with the short end of the stick. Higgins out again. You mentioned uh, Chase had the injury he was kind of dealing with throughout the game, and yeah, I mean, th things kind of crawled into a shell late in the game for the Bengals on offense and. Um, you know, I think finally, you know, the injuries and different things occurred where you go uh, caught up to them rather where you go, okay, well, this is, this is kind of just where the, the magic runs out here, so to speak. So Bengals lose, they are out of the playoffs and this hyper competitive division that they are in, man, they, uh, it, it, it's showing a lot of competitiveness, obviously this year and different, different teams are 
staying alive. We knew that we knew the Steelers were going to be in it at the end. Obviously, the the Browns clinched, the Ravens have clinched, and so um, you know there's there's still some things to be sorted out at the end of the uh, end of the week here. But um, let's let's talk a little bit about this, John. Uh, it's the, it's the new year. We we just discussed some of the issues that we witnessed against the Chiefs, and some of which were improved upon from, you know, the, the week prior, et cetera, but some of which are recurring themes from this entire season. So let's talk a little Bengals New Year's resolutions, and we can we can talk more than one each year. So if you are the Cincinnati Bengals, you know, you're making a list of your New Year's resolution. Everybody knows what New Year's resolutions are, right? This is, oh, I'm going to resolve to, you know, eat better or get to the gym or stop smoking or whatever, you know, whatever it is. If you're the Bengals specific to their football team, what is you don't have to go in order either, but what what's a what's a top resolution you think that you have in your mind for this team as they look forward to 2024? It, it's tough because the way that they built the team of the past three years was honestly pretty lucky. They pretty much didn't strike out in free agency until this past year, right? I mean, they were just hitting on all cylinders and rebuilding the yeah. offensive line for the most part, rebuilding the defense. And in the draft, they were very successful for the most part in the in the early rounds of 2020, 2021, and even, you know, they're showing some decent returns in 2022 of Cam Taylor Britt. So I think if this team wants to be competitive next year amidst a lot of inevitable turnover on the roster, they have at least 18 free agents and a lot of them are starters. You're going to be entering the season probably with less than half of the starters from that Super Bowl team who are going to still be here, right? Like they, they can't possibly keep everyone, but this is still 2024, still a year where you have ample cap space because the borough contract is not going to completely take up that and you still have plenty of cash to kind of maneuver around with i think the resolution is to be more aggressive and just finding short-term holes instead of trying to do the whole the, the you know the, the process of the past few years which again i think the way that it all happened kind of immediately in 2021 is a pretty rare thing and if they want to go all in on just the major positions of weakness in ways that we haven't really seen them do before. And it's kind of hard to explain that too, because again, like I'm not saying they haven't been aggressive, but I think just with what the team is now and what the future is likely going to hold with even more changes coming and less flexibility, there should be a, a sense of, of aggression in terms of just making sure that whatever is left after this year, I mean, it's, it's one of their last true opportunities to kind of take the, the core of this team because again i think the core for the most part is, is kind of it's kind of going out the window in terms of just a lot of leaders and a lot of expensive veterans kind of maybe going to different opportunities i like that i like that i'm i'm gonna harp on something that i harped on all last week um and again i keep pointing out the great article by paul daner jr where he relayed some quotes about physicality now the Bengals have decided and and for good reason they have decided to build their team uh, in the draft with highly athletic players uh guys with big athletic profiles and you know the the height weight speed agility measure measurables etc and a couple of times they have married those profiles with guys who are you know known as physical players i'm look i'm specifically looking at cam taylor Britt as a guy that you know, was known to be, you know, a physical guy as a corner, willing tackler, et cetera, et cetera. I don't, I don't really know precisely which position or, you know, players I want to specifically single out, whether it's on offense or defense, but you got to get that edge back. And I think it begins with building, building your trenches, both depth wise and for the defensive side of the ball, at least getting pass rotational pass rush help from multiple spots on that on that defensive line you're going to need to figure out how to either you're going to need to figure out if dj reader is going to be close to himself by the time regular season rolls around and what you may pay him if you believe that is the case or you're going to have to find a replacement because that is a, a pretty gnarly injury to come back from that he is dealing with so losing that run stopper is going to be painful going forward if you do not have him, you got to find a solution there. Um, if, if you're the linebackers on this team, 
you, I understand, you know, going for the strip and, and they've made a lot of plays enforcing fumbles, you know, kind of as, as they're maybe carrying a guy or vice versa, but you got to start wrapping up and tackling. You cannot allow major, major, major rushing, rushing performances, particularly in this division, John, the Baltimore Ravens have a formidable rushing attack with a, a lot of different players featured there. We know the Browns, especially with Nick Chubb coming back, they're going to want to do that as well. Um, the Steelers, they're, you know, with their quarterback situation, they it's physical. It's physical in this division. I think they have to not only focus on being physical, but they have to keep a watchful eye on the backyard, which is the AFC North, and figure out a way, figure out multiple ways to get back to being physical, solidifying the trenches, protect the quarterback, rush the quarterback. Yeah, if we want to get into specifics, I think the, the biggest, most glaring weakness right now is to tackle, personally, because you don't know if Reader's coming back. You don't know if he's even going to be healthy to start the season if they were able to retain him, which I think is still more likely not than than him coming back. Um, you just have nothing there in terms of just burst up the middle. They, they've been missing that for two years now, and it's it's beyond time to kind of get it remedied and be aggressive in doing so. You talk about athleticism at defensive tackle. The athleticism pretty much all over the offensive line. Um, you're looking at potentially upgrading two spots, be it left guard and right tackle. It's going to be interesting to see if they are aggressive in doing both. If they're even aggressive in doing one, they might want to just prioritize continuity with that group, considering that it stayed together for the majority of the season. But even still, like Jonah Williams is a free agent. We don't know. He was pretty mum on the subject of maybe coming back. I think he's still kind of deciding that and i think that's perfectly fair considering how this past year kind of went with him but getting more athletic at offensive line just like at defensive line just goes a long way in terms of your run defense but also in terms of just making sure that this highly invested uh pass rushing group for the Bengals actually gets the job done it's not just relying on trey hendrickson having 12 more sacks than the next closest guy mm-hmm. on this defensive line and then beyond that it's the pass catchers again not, not a single tight end is under contract, and I don't know how many of, of them you want to bring back. You probably want to bring back maybe like Hudson and Sample. I think the door is open for exciting possibilities at receiver. If you do end up moving on from both Higgins and Boyd, I think you have very athletic developing guys in Charlie Jones and, and Yoshi to pair with Chase, but I don't think you want maybe more than just one of those guys starting next year. You definitely need a new starter if you're going to move on from both those guys. And even if you tag t higgins he's just around for one year he's been banged up this year i don't know how much you can rely on him like you just you need solid athletic explosive answers like they've prioritized speed in the secondary and they need to translate that throughout the rest of the roster going forward too okay so is speed another resolution then for you team speed or speed at other spots is that what is that where you're going next for another one yeah, for sure. I mean, that you can never have enough of it, considering the same very similar issues exist just with this team. Like, they, they need to prioritize speed at offensive line. Get out in space, you know, in, increase the effectiveness of zone blocking and increase the effectiveness of just screens and just getting out in space in general. Like, it, it's it's beyond just, you know, finding t- tall, big dudes that can potentially absorb bull rushes, which they're not even very good at that part anyway. So, I, I want them to prioritize athletes up front on both sides of the ball. I think that would just, it's just beyond time that they start doing that. I think it allows a lot more creativity going forward too. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are looking for explosiveness, uh, you know, a little more out of the running back position and other areas too. Mother's day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from blue Nile from timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones. Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. 
What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Um, I, I'm going to build on that, and this is going to kind of sound a little off the wall, maybe right when I say it. But um, one thing I would prioritize, and it's something I've been thinking about for the last couple of, of weeks here, particularly with some of the buzz that this guy has got on his new team, Um Listen to your players, and what what I mean by that is, and, and this year may not be you know them talking to you know to the media and saying these these sound bites and whatnot. But John, do you remember it, it, all throughout twenty twenty two? You'd have DJ Reader kind of talk to the media. Media Mike mm-hmm. Hilton would say some things. They'd be ta- answering questions about. You know, how did they, how did they sign off many of those questions, or how did they sign off many of those interviews? Do you remember this is twenty twenty two? I'm talking about. It was like it's disrespectful, or well that that lines. and resign Jesse Bates, right? Oh yeah, resign Jesse Bates, resign Jesse Bates, resign Jesse Bates. Now that didn't come to fruition. The Bengals didn't value that position and and what have you. I still have high hopes, and this will maybe go into our next segment about pessimism, optimism. I still have high hopes for the young safeties the Bengals employ back there, but. There is a reason that your top defensive players. There is a reason that your team captains identified this player as a guy that says, resign this guy. They weren't saying resign Von Bell. They weren't saying resign X, Y, and Z. It was re- both of them, if not more, resign Jesse Bates. Resign. And so they saw the value. And again, you look at this defense this year. You, you've heard about what Von Bell and Jesse Bates did back there in terms of lining up different players on the defense and making sure players were in different spots that made sense to everybody. You saw the big plays that they made in the postseason, the the last two postseasons. When your players and and the players you've entrusted as captains on this team are coming out and saying, "Resign this guy, resign this guy." Now, granted, it it always kind of was with a chuckle, and the the you know the the people doing the interviews would kind of chuckle with them, et cetera. But there was truth to that, and they wanted that to happen. The Bengals did not listen because because it is a position they did not value, and I think. While we can say, well, they're just not tackling well and they're, they're, they're weak at defensive tackle and all this kind of stuff, I, I still think losing those two guys in the very same offseason, I, I think I think it's ju- it just killed a lot of the morale and, and really the skill in their defense and, and the way that the vision back there and the way that those guys saw how offenses would line up. So if there is exit interviews or there are exit interviews with players, granted, they're not going to be saying this stuff in the media now, but, and they're saying, Hey, you know, keep T Higgins, keep T Higgins, but pay him, whatever, or keep Jonah Williams, whatever. Listen to your players, listen to your players because they have a beat on things in a different point of view and are on the field on a play to play basis with these guys that coaches front office people are not. Yeah, and I think you're going to get that with Reader, too. I think uh, Andrew Rumo already, already planted his flag. Very obviously, I, I might add, there's no reason why Lunar Rumo wouldn't want DJ Reader to stick around for a couple of more years. But I, I it, it's a weird balance, I think. Not, not weird, but an intriguing balance of maintaining continuity, but also avoiding giving out raises to guys that may or may not be worth it based off of who they are presently compared to who they were in years past and taking advantage of that flexibility by getting younger and getting quicker and whatnot. I think it made all the sense in the world to re-sign Jesse Bates. I don't think anyone necessarily disagreed. I think the slander about him was pretty absurd and how he only thrived when the Bengals' defense was bad and he could look his best. He's clearly proven people wrong with what should be an all-pro season for him down in Atlanta. With, with Higgins, it might be a little bit more blurry, right? Just because you have the durability concerns, just because you, he was coming off a pretty bad season in, in, in that regard. So the balance of keeping these locker room favorites and leaders with also obtaining that flexibility in terms of cap space and cash to get younger, to get faster, and to 
keep the window open, I think is the most intriguing part of this offseason. And in regards to that secondary, the reason why I didn't really bring it up in the first place is because like Nick Scott was supposed to be that veteran fix of losing both Bates and Bell, and he failed miserably in that regard. So they had to rely on Jordan Battle to start halfway through the season. They had to put Dax Hill in maybe situations that they didn't want to, or they kind of left him out there exposed a little bit, or they just had him maybe doing too much, right? And both guys showed you know, that they were still inexperienced rookies, and it definitely cost them. But I don't think outside of finding like a better version of Nick Scott, a guy who's still pretty cheap but experienced, I'm not sure how much change we're going to see in the secondary, specifically at safety. I think they have to allow these guys to develop and take that, I guess, technically second-year lead for Dax Hill and second-year lead for Jordan Battle. And the same goes for, obviously, DJ Turner, too. Like I think they're excited about him starting a full year and have a full offseason as the starter. So I think it's going to be a lot of continuity and I guess hope is the word in terms of those guys developing, but I don't, I don't really foresee like a lot of like attention of or, or aggressively trying to rebuild that secondary because they just invested so much, so many young pieces in it. Yeah, I, I don't really either. But here's here's this thing you mentioned: Higgins and Boyd, right? And and the, the potential that the Bengals there is a scenario that you know the Bengals end up losing both of them this year. Um, because of free agency, but I, I look at last year. Not only did the Bengals lose Bell and Bates, they lost a hybrid swing player in Trey Flowers. They opted not to re-sign him, but he was a useful player for them for two years. Along with, you could kind of say, well, he's he's a safety or he's a corner, or he's a high, whatever. But I mean, essentially, you lost three critical and you know, even, even if flowers is a utility player, so to speak, you lost three critical players in your secondary in one off season and a lot of veteran presence, a lot of veteran IQ back there in one single off season. So that's where I, I, I I look to the wide receiver. And I guess this, this may be, unless you've got another resolution to share, John, this might be a good segue into the pessimism, optimism uh, segment that we wanted to talk about. But this is where I get a little worried where, you know, we can say, well, Higgins had a down year because he was hurt and this and that and the other thing, and he wants too much money. Can you afford to pay both of them? Boyd's at the end of his career. And uh, I mean, still, you lose those that production, that experience, and th- that three-headed monster that this team has sported for the last th- uh, three three years. That's a that's a big loss for one position group in one offseason. And, and I like Charlie Jones. I like Yoshi. They had limited snaps this year, to say the least. It, it seems to be a very steep learning curve, and it reminds me a lot of the safety situation where you got a lot of hope with the guys that you've got waiting in the wings if there is a massive exodus at that position group. But we kind of saw what the growing pains looked like this year. Yeah, and we we kind of have a precedent for this. It's not a perfect one-to-one scenario, but... You know, when Marvin Jones and Mohamed Sanu both left in the same offseason, their replacements were Tyler Boyd and Brandon LaFell. And there were a bunch of other issues with that 2016 Bengals team, but there was a clear loss of, um, you know, athleticism at the receiver position. AJ Green got hurt, like, I think halfway through that year. And those issues were um, clearly expanded upon themselves. So I, I, I don't imagine that they want to do that again, considering that they can franchise T. I think they still want to open the window to keep him long term so i would probably at this point expect the tag to be used in terms of replacing boyd like i think jones is probably in line to do that and i think giving him more snaps towards the later part of this year was kind of an indication of that anyways but you're right man like it's it's scary considering that the offense you know it had like a brief moment this year where things were clicking and they only really got to see that for a few weeks and now there's just a bunch of different changes and i think like my final resolution, I guess, would be because I know people are going to talk about who's calling plays and if that should change. I think coaching deserves to be put in the microscope, but maybe not for just changing play callers. You have Joe Burrow beginning another offseason injured, and we don't know for sure when he's coming back. And obviously, this has been three straight years of him ending the offseason, not 100%, not able to practice in training camp. And the beginning of those regular seasons are impacted by that. I think the true resolution should be to have clear alternatives, contingencies with schemes, with game plans, just in case that Burrow is not ready to go and have whoever you're, I mean, I'm assuming it's going to be Jake Browning. He's like a, 
exclusive rights free agent. I would imagine they'll, they'll bring him back to be the backup. Have a plan with Browning in place in case Burrow does miss time and make sure that you're not starting the regular season with either a hobbled Burrow or a, a wide-eyed backup quarterback that's trying to run the Burrow offense. That that needs to be in the back of their minds this year because they have three years of evidence that says what they're trying to do in the offseason and what they're hoping for. It just it, it's, it leaves them leaves them with their ass in the ground. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, well, let's transition. Um, you know, this is <laughs> what one one th- school of thought for this season for the Bengals is this last season. Um, hey, kudos because you were in it till the second to last week of the year, and you were you know had your team in playoff contention without your starting quarterback. Your your stud wide receivers missed some time. You lost your defensive tackle. I mean, uh, you kind of say, hey, tip of the cap. It just wasn't meant to be because of the health and all of that this year. Uh, the other aspect is, well, I mean, did you really, to your point that you just brought up, what kind of contingency plans did you have in place? And is this roster too top heavy in certain areas? Um, and so, you know, and that that's what caused an inevitable collapse on a super a season with Super Bowl aspirations. So as we look ahead to 2024, John, when you look at the impending free agents that the Bengals have, and we're talking DJ Reader, we're talking T. Higgins, we're talking Tyler Boyd and, and others. Um, there's also, I, I believe, I believe this is accurate. This is from uh, Spotrack here. I will um, set this up here. The 2024 team salary cap space tracker. It shows the Bengals currently at a uh, little a little north of 70 million right now. Of course, that could change drastically if they do that franchise tag on T, et cetera. Um, so with that space, you could say, well, they've got some flexibility, but then you've also got the chase contract, all kinds of different things. Where is your head at with this team going forward? Pessimism, optimism, somewhere in between? Somewhere in between. I think, again, they maybe rely on filling too many holes in the draft and sometimes waiting too long to fill those holes. And sometimes, in some cases, they just leave their holes kind of open uh, if the draft doesn't kind of fall their way. Like, that's that was a problem with tight end. That was a problem with running back. Both positions ended up being, you know, liabilities for most of the year um, outside of Joe Mixon, who had, you know, a pretty decent season as a first alternate for the Pro Bowl. They, they just have too many holes, I think, entering this offseason. And they're going to have holes after... You know, some of these free agents inevitably leave and they have some replacements to kind of waiting in the wings. But I I'm not totally optimistic that they're going to take that aggressive approach and enter the draft, you know, feeling like we can that, that they can go best player available. But I'm not entirely pessimistic either, considering I think potentially going 0 and 6 in the AFC North is a pretty big wake up call. Um, one in five is pretty much the same anyways, considering those five losses basically eliminated their chance of making the playoffs. So I, I I don't think they really love that. I think they recognize that this is, again, still like the last upcoming season where they have a pretty decent amount of cap flexibility with Joe Burrow under contract. So I, I do think that there's always going to be that, that recognition, and I think they're aware of that. But this team has never really been one to go completely all in, and I don't really expect that. So I kind of find myself in this gray area, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I, I lean a little bit myself. I lean a little bit more optimism because you say, okay, well, renewed health, you're getting Burrow back, and anytime you have your quarterback, you you got a shot, especially the quarterback of that caliber, and then you've got the top wide receiver. Um, you still have some of your offensive line pieces in place and under contract. You've got Trey Hendrickson under contract, so there are a lot, and then you're you're – again, if you are a glass half full type of person, you look at that secondary, the play this year, and you go, okay, well, learning curve year. You know, a lot of young faces, they're getting their first taste of snaps, and you can look at the Cam Taylor-Britt ascension this year from, you know, last year kind of getting some time late 
and doing some things to being a, a borderline Pro Bowl player for much of this year, then the injury kind of hurt that one there. So, I mean, you could kind of say, well, I mean, maybe the, the, the rest of those guys or most of those guys are on a similar track here next year. But there's a lot – that's a lot of, you know, hope. There's mm-hmm. It's a lot of kind of just, you know, a wing and a prayer a little bit. Um, I mean, obviously you're, you have faith in your draft picks and, and the athletic profiles and everything, but uh, – I you know, it, it's just like, it's a lot of what ifs. It's a lot of, well, you know, what if they take that next step? What? It, and so it's an interesting time for me for the Bengals because they kind of to what you said earlier, they need to see some of these guys still develop, but they also are in a position with the chase contract coming due Higgins may or may not be around for a year or so burrow now on the big contract. They're at a point where they, they can't really sit and wait. They can't like wait around and wait, you know, they have to be aggressive. They, they, yes, they have to see if these guys develop and everything, but they have to be aggressive and they have to understand that, um, you know, that uh, each year that passes and each year that slips through their fingers of a Super Bowl win is, you know, very, very valuable because these guys aren't really getting that much younger. And you've got Burrow now, you know, mid late-ish twenties coming up, coming up here. And, and, you know, you've got, some big bills coming due with Higgins chase, et cetera. So yeah, I, you know, that's, that's, I, I, I trend optimism, but I, I, I have a lot of hesitancies as well, pulling me back a little bit. Yeah. It's, for me, it's just a matter of if 2021 is, you know, re- replicable. And I think people need to recognize of how, how rare of that turnaround it was. It, you know, I think they said it, NFL history of being the first team that win like four games the previous season, to go to the Super Bowl the next, and it was just hit after hit after hit, right decision after right decision after right decision. A lot of it was luck too, man. Like it was good scouting, it was good process by the front office, but having all those guys, you know, immediately develop and and fit the fit the team, fit the culture, fit the scheme and everything, it was as magical, I think, as people should remember it. And obviously it doesn't need to be as drastic as it was then because the team was terrible at the end of 2020 and i think as long as burrow is healthy and he has time the Bengals will always be at the very least com- competing for a playoff spot but obviously how much do you want to maximize him and how much do you want to maximize the team around him and i think to their credit um even knowing that burrow is good and he's developed already pretty quickly in four years they still haven't really used that as a crutch to say oh we don't have to make every single move right we, we don't have to improve every single aspect of the team like i think they've still done a decent job of not entirely sitting on their hands but i think there's always a case where it can be ramped up and especially entering this year with with all the issues that you incurred outside of the injuries that still needs to be the message do you think that the Bengals will be aggressive in free agency this year, outside free eh. agency? Uh, it, it really does depend on who they resign first. Like again, I think we can both safely say that the tag is probably the most likely option with T. It's just a matter of if they want to go through that process with his agent again. I, I think most of their top free agents are going to seek offers elsewhere, which again opens up a lot of space, but also opens up. A lot of holes and we don't really have a good grasp on what the market is going to be at some of these positions so i i would say it's it's not going to be worse necessarily or like less active than last year even though last year kind of started a little bit late and then kind of caught fire once orlando brown was was brought into the picture like I, i'm not expecting like immediate signings again we could talk so much more about this in the next two months and, and that's that, that may upset some people but i think that we'll be at the at the very least the same level of aggression as the past uh, couple of years I, I would agree with that. I don't know if it's going to be, you know, full bore, but I, I do think, you know, it needs to be closer to, to what they did in 21 to to really bolster some things um, going forward because they they have some work to do for sure. But I think overall I'm, I, I would I would trend optimist, but I, I there are some things where I go, I, I don't know if I'm pessimistic about it. I just have a lot of questions. Um, and if they didn't have the quarterback in place, if we were talking about Burrow not having his deal done, all that kind of stuff, um, I'd feel a lot worse than than things. But uh, again, though, you look at you know some of the things that you rely on. You, when you rely on health on a somewhat top-heavy roster, as kind of your you know, well, we got to we got to be healthy. Well, every team needs to be healthy. Um, the, uh, the bottom line is, as you play 
17 games and more in the postseason. That's just not totally the reality. So sometimes you got to create your own luck in that way and, and, and make sure that you have contingency plans that your roster is in good shape. Mm -hmm. And I think just how the, the rest of the, of the division is kind of developed alongside of them. The Bengals were once the hunters, then they, then, then they became the hunted and now they went from first to worst in a matter of just a few months. And I think the Ravens kind of filling out their roster in the way that they did and being aggressive. And I think obviously coordinator changes were a part of that too. And that's going to be another thing that potentially is a problem that the Bengals have to incur. Um, Brian Callahan was named one of the five highest rated offensive coordinators by the NFL PA. I think he'll probably be another name that gets propped up in uh, this year's hiring cycle. He got an interview last year with the Colts. He lost that job to Shane Steichen. But considering how the offense kind of ended with a backup quarterback in there, even if he's not the one technically uh, speaking to uh, Jake Browning in, in the headset and calling the plays, he still has an incredible amount of influence in the offense. And I think this this year, this end of the season, is going to, going to do a lot to kind of bolster his, his candidacy. And how the Bengals potentially transition from one offense coordinator to the next and what the evolution of the offense is for that. Um, it could be reminiscent of what, you know, the Ravens kind of went under this year with, with um, Todd Mockin, but you know, it's just another, it's another wrinkle. It's another variable in, in this offseason. And there's still so much more we need to, that we need to kind of learn as the months go on. Well, before we talk about the game with the Browns, we'll just chat a little bit about that. I want to, uh, we've got another bet slip this week and I, you know, John, this is one of the trickier weeks because, as we'll discuss in just a little bit, um, there uh, we don't know who's really going to play for these. I mean, Jeff Driscoll starting for the Browns at quarterback, right? Um, the, the Bengals have Jake Browning and, you know, both Zach Taylor said both the Bengals wide receivers, Higgins and, and Chase have their respective issues health-wise this week. So um, we don't really know exactly what's going to take place in terms of rosters, but we did make four picks and uh, not a guarantee, of course, but stuff we like here at Cincy Jungle. The four picks net a plus 325. You have the Bengals covering the seven-point spread here. Um, so we believe that the Bengals will cover, will win, and uh, at least as in, as a Cincy Jungle network, uh, seven-point spread. Um, over four total touchdowns, so high-scoring game. From the Bengals, of course, probably taking advantage of the Browns resting a lot of stars on both sides of the ball. Maybe even a pick six, you know, multiple turnover type of game because of the inexperience. We will see um, under 22.5 total points for the Cleveland Browns um, and the Bengals race to 25 points are the four there. So kind of a wacky one in a game, John, that will not be featuring likely a lot of prominent players, particularly on the Brown side of the ball. Right. And I, I feel like it's a good time to mention who the Browns quarterback will be. None other than 2018 second half of the year starter, Jeff Driscoll, mm -hmm. who was signed off like mm -hmm. the Cardinals practice squad or something like that. It's the fifth starting quarterback quarterback for the Browns this year, which means that Kevin Stefanski and the Browns could potentially win with five different quarterbacks in a 17 game schedule, which is absurd. But that factors into going under 22 and a half points for the Browns. Again, we don't know how many of their offensive starters are going to play alongside Jeff Driscoll. There's not a, a huge need, uh, obviously, with, with that seating kind of locked up. But, you know, say Amari Cooper does play, you know, at, at least half the game. Driscoll just kind of coming in against his former team. Obviously, very rusty. Didn't really bother Joe Flacco, but... Yeah, um, I would I would say the Bengals have a decent chance of covering the spread just because I think they're just going to try harder. But we saw what a Joe Burrow offense was against this arguably the best defense in the NFL. And if Miles Garrett is out there, if Denzel Ward is out there, which again, we don't really know. It's unlikely at this point. It might be a little closer, but I think based off of where things are trending with what the Browns are doing and I guess maybe the, the feel in the Bengals locker room and the attitude right now, it wouldn't surprise me if the Bengals kind of ran away with this one at the end. Yeah, maybe. Well, that is the DraftKings slip 
for this week that we've got for you. And of course, got to remind you, if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY, which is 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problems gambling. You can call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, licensee partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario, see sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football for eligibility terms and responsible gaming sources. So thanks for our continued partnership with DraftKings this year. We've had uh, a lot of fun kind of giving you some, some picks throughout the year. Etc. So, John, you are just to kind of start closing things up. You're kind of saying you think the Bengals are going to run run away with this. I, there's just not a lot to break down, unfortunately, because again, right. we're like, you know, who's going to be out there and stuff. So, you kind of are feeling the Bengals may uh, run away with this one here. Oh, I said they could. I don't. I don't know oh. if they will though. Um, oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm feeling like a 17 to 16 game where like McPherson kicks another game winner. Um. I think Driscoll is going to just be running around doing stuff. Bengals defense, I think even if they are inspired, still not very good. I think Stefanski is still a really good play caller, and he's gotten the better of Luna Rumo in in their respective tenures. So I think the Browns will still score like at least 16 points. Um, but if Miles Garrett isn't out there, if those lockdown cornerbacks aren't out there, you know the Bengals are going to be trying to get this win, and I think they're going to be trying a little bit harder than their opponents. So I'll say a one-point victory. Okay. Yeah, I think it's going to be pretty ugly. I, I, you know, um, either it's going to be ugly, high scoring and ugly, which is just, you know, turnovers left and right and all kinds of different stuff, or it's going to be a low scoring game. Obviously, uh, we did give you a, a Cincy Jungle bet slip there that maybe tells a little bit of a different story there. But I will say, um, I'll say 19 to 13, the Bengals win. Um, just an uh, ugly game, ugly game, but. At some point, you got to start beating the Browns because the Bengals have not been good at that uh, in the Zach Taylor era. And even a little bit before that, at the end of Marvin Lewis's tenure, they have not been beating the Browns. They have not been beating the Steelers, and they need to change that quickly. And even if this game is pretty much meaningless for both teams, um, you know, that's I, I, it, it may give you some good vibes heading into the heading into the offseason. Yeah, I think considering how much they've lost the Browns in recent years, anytime you get a win over them. I think it feels good. I don't think because I, I remember like at the end of the Marvin Lewis era where they would win some games at the back half or like the final two weeks. And you start to wonder, is that going to impact whether or not Lewis sticks around, especially because they were division games. I think the message is still pretty much been sent to this team in the front office. Losing the first five division games is, is the definition of unacceptable. And I don't think beating a backup Browns team at home is really going to change that. It will change the draft order. I think they can go as high as, or I guess low as 18th and as high as like 12th or 13th. Right now they're at 16th. Personally, Anthony, I don't know about you. I feel like that's pretty much, you're going to find the same caliber of players. So even for fans who are rooting for a loss for a better draft pick, I'm not really sure it's really going to matter in April anyways. So the Bengals are going to be trying their bus off for a win here for, the sake of pride and that, that if there's any reason to watch it's that yeah i mean i think there's a difference between and this is maybe a, a little bit of a, a drop the mic final thought thing i think there's a little bit of a difference between sometimes a player sneaks out of the top 10 and it's there at 12 that is not there at 18 but you also get a lot of a, a lot more teams that are way more aggressive in moving up in the draft to get up and get those guys and so I think the Bengals, they've done, they've done a better job of it of late. Um, you know, they've got a few, I think a couple more picks. I think they've got nine, right, this mm-hmm. year. Um, so they've got a couple more picks to play with. You can now trade compensatory picks, et cetera. So, I, you know, maybe maybe get a little creative to get up and get a more premier player. Um, doesn't have to be in the first round per se, but, um, you know, if you're in those other rounds, they did it with Cam Taylor Britt. That seemed to work out pretty well. So don't be afraid to, to move up in the draft and, and do some things. For sure. And again, that's a conversation for months down the road. I guess if I have a mic drop, something cool that I found out uh, last night when we learned the Pro Bowl rosters 
Jamar Chase and Trey Hendrickson are back to back to back Pro Bowlers, which is pretty cool. Trey Hendrickson, I think, is now one of two Bengals defensive linemen with three Pro Bowlers uh, nominations. The other one is Geno Atkins. So pretty good company there. This one surprised me, Anthony, though. There are 13 receivers in NFL history now to make the Pro Bowl in each of their first three seasons. The Bengals have four of them. I didn't know Chris Collinsworth was a back-to-back-to-back Pro Bowler to begin his career. Isaac Curtis obviously was one. A.J. Green was one. Pretty pretty good company and pretty good track record for the Bengals developing these guys pretty early on. They know how to draft wide receivers. They know how to draft them, and they know how to get use out of them early. And so pretty good company for Chase there, and congratulations to both those guys for getting into the Pro Bowl. This has been the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. He's John Sheeran. I'm Anthony Cazenza. Keep it to CincyJungle.com and what John's doing over at A to Z Sports with the AFC North and Bengals coverage. Uh, you got to keep it to our podcast channel through your favorite audio streamer, the Cincy Jungle podcast channel, as well as our YouTube channel. Go uh, click that show icon in the bottom corner there. Subscribe. Click the bell to be notified, and uh, we appreciate all of the support you've shown this show for quite some time. We'll be back with more throughout the weekend and the coming weeks ahead. John, appreciate you, man. Let's, uh, you and I both, let's start getting past this flu, cold, whatever stuff, my man. NyQuil, ibuprofen, it's all going down tonight, baby. Let's do it. <laughs> Take care. Take <laughs> care.